This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles, please, and would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to finish up a message that we started last Lord's Day morning. I said to you then, remember to bring your handout back. I won't ask how many of you came prepared for class. It's okay. All right. Some of you are ready. Some of you need the handout because you weren't here last week. Or just maybe you forgot. There's one benefit of the, those big Bible cases that zip. All right. Have you seen some of those? Uh, some folks walk into church, it's about this big, okay, because sermons I preached 11 years ago, they still are hanging on to that stuff, all right, probably not, but uh, we do want to make sure as many of you can look at the handout as possible today, so the ushers are ready in the back. If you didn't get one last week, let's just word it that way, and you need one this morning, slip your hand up, all right? Pastor Ned needs one. I know that he wasn't here last week. Where's Dietra? All right. Hold it up until they can get to you. If you need a second copy, I'm not watching. All right. But you can wave at the usher too. We're in a series right now that is focusing on discipleship, looking at who is qualified in the local church to do biblical counseling or, to use the biblical term, discipleship. Who's qualified to do that? We live in a day where professionals are the ones who are qualified in many people's minds to deal with mental and emotional struggles, those difficulties, uh, and a lot of the church has bought into that. You know, unless I've studied psychology, I, I really can't help another brother or sister in Christ. That's just not the case. You do realize there was a time on earth where there wasn't psychotherapy, But God has always had answers for his people through his word, all right? And so who is qualified to come alongside another Christian, encourage them, really be able to help them through the scriptures? Well, any Christian who is growing spiritually and is a student of the word of God. God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Where does that knowledge come from? It's right here. All right? Through the knowledge of him, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Our sufficiency is in Christ, and if that is true, then our sufficiency is through the word that he gave to us. And the Holy Spirit indwells us to lead us into the truth. 
And one of my goals in this series is to encourage you, help you to know that whatever we are facing in life, God has not just an answer, he has the answer. All right. Coming back to why the church is so important. The body of Christ. All right. Now, without being silly this morning, uh, God has equipped your physical body if there's a need for the rest of the body to respond. You don't have to be connected to another body. Now, another body can come alongside, a doctor, a first responder, and help your body if it's struggling. But, but God, and we're going to see this in the scripture, God has equipped your body to be able to handle infection Nerves to be able to help your, your hand that just touched that hot whatever to withdraw. God did that in the body to remind us that in the body of Christ, we have the help we need through the indwelling Holy Spirit empowering the body. And so last Sunday, we were looking at this truth, the necessity of the church in counseling, in discipleship. We started out in Luke's gospel, made some observations, and then we talked about the fact that the gospel, which is to be proclaimed and lived out in the church, that the gospel is really good news. It really is. Uh, so I watched two searching souls last night bow their hearts, their heads, admit to God they were sinners, and, and invite Jesus Christ to be their Savior. That's what is needed for real difference and change. They were delivered last night and then empowered to be like Jesus. Now, in some churches, good news is not good news because there's no bad news. Churches have pastors so-called, who won't preach the whole counsel of God, won't talk about sin. And so folks aren't getting help with their main issue. We gave some examples. But in some churches, good news is really good news because there is a Savior who forgives, delivers from sin. And we want to continue to remind everyone that that is the confidence that we have in Christ. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted, tested above that you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. That's a guarantee, that's a promise. Whether the enemy is internal or external. And then we also considered this. The local church is the right kind of church where the pastor and disciple makers are growing. Yes, Christians can come alongside other Christians and be a wonderful help as God works through them. But if you are not a believer where God is working through you, you have another agenda, you're depending on yourself, you're not seeing yourself in light of the scripture, you're not going to be any help. 
In fact, I'll just be blunt. I love you. You need help. If you're depending on you in this world right now, you need help. You've got to see things differently. Things are rapidly approaching the return of our Lord. And I, boy, I'd like to run down that trail this morning. But as a Christian, in your own life, you must honor God's word. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, Acts 20, 28. And then, for pastors and disciple makers, we also must have a learner's spirit before God. And we talked about what that involves. Where we want to pick it up this morning in the handout, the message, is Roman numeral 3, where Scripture determines pastorology. I didn't make that term up, it's legitimate, but really what we're talking about is a philosophy of ministry. Every church meeting this morning has a philosophy of ministry. All kinds of ideas, all kinds of flavors, but those who have an accurate philosophy of ministry are those who are patterning everything they do after the scripture. The book of Acts. We've been studying that on Sunday evenings. It's, it, what an eye-opener that has been. I shared on Wednesday night, those who were here for prayer meeting, you can't turn a page in the book of Acts without being reminded of the Holy Spirit and the need for prayer. What a powerful work God did through those early believers as they followed what the Lord had taught them on prayer, on what the church should be. And so this morning, the focus is on your pastor as well, because I am responsible for the philosophy of ministry here. The point is, if I'm thinking biblically, if you're thinking biblically, and what we're doing here is scriptural, this will be a setting where people can grow in the Lord, be healthy, and where we can get God's work done, reaching others for Christ. So scriptural pastorology is where discipleship counseling changes lives because the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. If you come to me to hear what I have to say, you're going to be disappointed. If you come to me and I'm yielded to the Lord and you hear from the Lord, that's where your help is. All right, so where Scripture determines philosophy of ministry. Notice the first sub-point here, the pastoral purpose. What is my purpose before the Lord? You're in Ephesians chapter 4. If somebody were to ask you, what is your pastor's job? Well, first of all, it's not to do your job. But what is the pastor's job? We're told that in verse 11, and he... The Lord, the Holy Spirit, gave some apostles, pause, there are no more apostles. An apostle was a disciple who had seen Jesus. Somebody tells you they're apostle because they've seen Jesus, they're lying to you. 
We can see the Lord in his word, but nobody walking planet earth today has seen our physical Lord. Not yet. So apostles, and by the way, not only had they seen the Lord, they were appointed by the Lord to be an apostle. Even Paul will say later, I was an apostle chosen, chosen by God at a later time, out of due season. He gave some prophets. Now the word prophet is the idea of foretelling truth. So even in the early church, there were still those who were foretelling. They were getting revelation from the Lord, and they were declaring it. They were writing it down. They were still existing at the time of the apostles. And so the apostles themselves were prophets. They were writing scripture under inspiration. And then there were others who were prophesying but they were yielded to the Lord. The Lord was speaking to them. Here's, here's an example. may not be as familiar to you. But when Paul is headed back to Jerusalem, he said, at every point where I stop to meet with believers, they were warning me that when I get there, I'm going to be arrested. They were prophesying. Uh, Paul got to one place where a prophet took a belt, which would have been uh, really fabric that they used to, to gird up their, their uh, uh, garment, and he took it and wrapped up, bound Paul's hands, and he said, when you get to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen to you. How do we know he was a true prophet? When he got to Jerusalem, that's exactly what happened to Paul. There are no prophets today, but do you know that in churches that claim to be evangelical today, there are open mics where people stand and they think they are declaring a direct word from the Lord. Not only charismatic churches, are you listening? Reformed churches. It's not in the scripture. All right. Moving on. Verse 11. Some evangelists and some pastors, teachers. Now, those leadership gifts are functioning. That's why we still have evangelists come in. Uh, an evangelist, as you study that gift in the New Testament, these guys have a, a special gift from the Spirit of God to be able to declare the gospel with power. I believe men like Paul, Peter had this gift. When you have an evangelist come in here, and those of us who are pastor teachers, we, we look at the gift and I think, oh, I wish I could preach the gospel that way. Tom Farrell's with the Lord, but he had the gift, okay? And, and, uh, and then there are other evangelists that God is calling uh, to be church planners, like Paul. That gift where they can clearly proclaim, defend the gospel, and God used them to go into a place, plan a church, and with some of our missionaries, they plant multiple churches. It's a reminder to me, they probably have the gift of the evangelist. We have other missionaries that are pastor teachers. They go in a place, they stay a long time, and they build up that flock. The pastor teacher gift is what God has given to your pastor. Somebody asked me recently, I made a comment, and let me just clarify this. I'm not planning to go anywhere, okay? Uh, I can't imagine being in a different church every week speaking to a different group of God's people. As a pastor, that would drive me crazy. 
I want to stay. I want to get to know them, love them, help them. All right. Why did God give these leadership gifts to the church? Verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. All right. Here's what that means. God gave the leadership gifts to the church to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, resulting in the edifying of the body, the building up of the body. So I get to be the coach here, if I can use that analogy. A coach never wins any games. You've heard me use this illustration. He coaches the team to win the games. In the video that you saw at the beginning of the service, Jeff Musgrave talked about a light. But if there are multiple lights and those lights are moving, those lights can impact the darkness. Whose responsibility is to help equip the saints to be the brightest light they can be for the Lord? I have that responsibility. And by the way, what I'm talking about is how you should be praying for me to help equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That is my purpose. In your notes, look at 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. The elders, Peter says, which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. In our new member class, we talk about the fact that elder, bishop, overseer, all the same responsibility. As a pastor, those are my responsibilities. Presbyteros, elder, mature in the faith, okay? Episcopos, all right? That is an administrator over the church, helping to administrate the important details. Overseer is our word pastor. So I'm to pastor, shepherd the flock. Be not only a leader, but also a feeder and a protector. That's my responsibility. I'm also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now here is the pastor's job. Verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. And ministrate, watch over, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy gain, lucre, okay, but of a ready mind. What does that mean? I'm to be eager about what God has called me to do. By the way, I'm so thankful for Good News Baptist Church. You help me be eager. I never dread coming to church, Okay. Eager, that's, that's the idea, keeping the purpose for God's people in view. And then equipping us for worship and also for work. The pastoral purpose. Not to be liked, though I don't mind that, okay. We got a great pastor, I just don't like him. No, 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 that, that, that would be hard, okay. Okay. Uh, and none of you should think you have a great pastor either, but, but do, do pray to like me, okay, as you can. Now, how does the pastoral purpose happen? Letter B, the pastoral pattern. 
the pastoral pattern, aiming people toward Christ. There are some pastors where they want to be the personality. It doesn't matter what circle of believers you've been in, you've met people like that, probably, or heard of them, read of them. Okay? But the pastoral pattern is aiming people towards Jesus. We've looked at Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Would you look at verse 13 now? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of who? The Son of God. We need to get to know each other so we can encourage, help, pray for, but we need to know Jesus. And our knowledge of him, looking at him, following him, then leads us to be a perfect or a complete man or woman under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's where I need to be encouraging you. That is my, needs to be my pattern, right? That's what the scripture is teaching. So again, the pastor is a coach. He's not a performer. Not a performer. I will be honest with you. Some of these mega churches where the show has to be better than the last show last Sunday, that'd kill me. That'd wear me out. By the way, that is not God's plan. Showmanship is not it. It breaks my heart. It's been several years ago now, but there was actually a shooter in a church, southern Illinois, I think it was around the St. Louis area, where somebody stood up in a service and opened fire. Those that were present in the service said that the pastor had his Bible up here. There's a question about whether he was using it or not. And when bullets started to fly, they said the Bible became like confetti. Here's what was so sobering about what happened. People sat still because they thought it was part of the special effects. In church? Really? Not a performer. People don't need a performance. There's plenty of that entertainment in this world and we're going to hell. We need Christ. We need to be focused on him. So the pastoral pattern, aiming people towards Jesus. Now here's the pastoral pitfall. Again, add this to your prayer sheet for me. Pleasing others versus proclaiming the truth. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 4, 2, and 3. Paul challenged this young pastor, his son in the faith, Timothy, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering from God's word. We, we've already seen that in a previous message. But we do, but to do that requires that we understand verse 3. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust. Now, here's the idea. Listen, following after their own lust, their own appetites, shall they heap to themselves teachers. So they'll, they'll accumulate teachers to themselves 
having itching ears. Not the teachers. They accumulate teachers in themselves because they themselves have itching ears. I have this itch. I have this curiosity. I, would, I want to find somebody who will scratch that for me. Oh, that feels good. Or, here's another way to look at it. Here's the way I think. I don't really like what the Bible says. Here's my attitude. Here's my opinion. I want somebody to agree with me. Oh, he agrees with me. This podcast, you need to listen to it. One of the challenges in ministry today is Christians are choosing to believe all kinds of things. And what's, what's really a difficulty is that Lots of times they'll come to you and they have some teacher out there that agrees with them. And instead of them going to the word of God and finding what God says, they want the preacher to rebuttal that or they're going to continue to believe the other teacher. I don't know how many times I have said to folks, look, the burden of proof is on you, it's not on me. You're responsible for the truth. I don't have to prove anything to you. You have the Bible too. Now, I'll help you if you want help. But I'm not going to debate you on this particular point, whatever it is. Right? And so, accumulating teachers isn't necessarily the problem if they proclaim the truth. If you have other preachers that you're listening to and they're proclaiming the word of God. There are, there's a lot of good preaching that you can find out there. Listen to it. Accumulating preachers who are going to feed you from the Bible, that's not wrong. The issue is, can you recognize if they are lying? Do you know the genuine article enough to be able to identify what's counterfeit? When you hear it. Thou shalt know the truth and the truth shall make you. And what does the reverse standard version say? If you don't know the truth. It will lead you into bondage. Well I, I just like him. I like what he says. Or I like what she says. The only thing that's going to lead you into freedom. Growth spiritually is to know God and what he says. Letter D. So what's the pastoral procedure? Speaking truth in love. Again, Ephesians chapter 4, if you're still there, look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him, in Christ, in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Okay, so that is the procedure to speak the truth in love sometimes we have to be honest with folks even if we know it's going to possibly hurt I love what Proverbs says faithful are the wounds of a friend have you ever had a friend be honest with you and ouch that hurt I have. I remember a time in my high school years where I was away from the Lord. I was clearly away from the Lord. 
And one of the jobs my brother and I had in our high school years, we actually mowed the church lawn. And there were several acres. We had sports fields and so on. And one day I was out mowing. And I was on a, a mid, middle-sized tractor. It was a farm tractor. They had put a big mower behind it. I was out there mowing. And I felt that, you remember those old seats on those farm tractors? They were metal and they would bend. That was kind of your, your, the shock system that would give you a good ride. I felt the back of that seat go down, and I turned around, and there was a friend who had jumped up. Uh, he was actually my cousin, but he loved the Lord. He jumped up on the back of that tractor, and I'm driving. And so I stopped, and he said, look, I've heard something. If it's true, you're going the wrong way. You need to fix it. I'll never forget the conversation. He jumped, up, jumped down, got back on his bike, and he rode home. He lived just up the street. And the Holy Spirit, he could have walked up with a two-by-four and smacked me over the head. It had kind of the same effect. I thought, you know what? I'm away from God, and people are seeing it. So evidently, stuff's going around in my high school. We all went to the same Christian school. And God used that conversation to cause me to change course. Now, did it make me feel good? But I'm thankful for a faithful friend. Reminds me of Galatians chapter 6, and we've studied it together. For brother be overtaken in a fault, ye that are spiritual, go to such a one in spirit of meekness. What's that mean? Spirit of love, strength under control, considering yourself, but help them. Help mend what is broken. 1 Peter 4.11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Let him speak from the Lord. All right, again, not new revelation, but you know God can speak through the man of God to share whatever it is that God intended for his people, his flock to hear. All right, let him speak. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, not his own ability, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Look underneath there. Consider this with me. 67 passages in the New Testament. 67. Tell us to verbally help others. Another 30 imply that we should be doing this. All right? So almost 100 passages are direct instruction to you and I to come alongside other Christians and verbally share truth that will encourage and help. When people come into a church, they must quickly be brought to the knowledge that they must grow to be like Christ and that there is no other hidden agenda. John Broadus, famous preacher from years gone by, Civil War veteran, Southern Baptist who helped establish, believe, uh, what's the college just up the road from Bob Jones down there? Somebody help me. Furman. 
yeah, was, was helpful in starting Furman. Here's what he said. Preaching is inextricably linked to the life of the church. It was the proclaiming of the good news that brought the church into being, reference to Pentecost. Only the same proclamation can keep life in the church. The record of Christian history has been that the strength of the church is directly related to the strength of the what? The pulpit. Now what happens when pastorology, philosophy of ministry is biblical? What takes place? Letter E, the pastoral prophet, having a spiritually healthy church. Again, Ephesians 4, look at verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual, the effective working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself. And then we're reminded about love again. So think about this. Every joint every part I I will emphasize it again you may be new in our church you may not have a visible role in, in the ministry that you do but you are a vital part of the body here now if you've withdrawn because the church doesn't need me you're contradicting your Lord he placed you in his body to have a part. Now, a part is, yes, you occupying a place in a pew on Sunday, but that's not the most important part. You're here so that you can be equipped for greater ministry. Not to sit, soak it in, and then not do anything with the truth. Every joint supplieth according to to the effectual working. The idea there is the proper working. All of us know when something isn't working properly in the body, right? You, you do know that. Uh, even a hangnail can remind you things aren't working properly. In the measure of every part making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. It grows, it's strengthened, it's built up through loving interaction where truth is followed and proclaimed. That's the prophet. So when the scripture determines a pastor's philosophy of ministry and what the saints are doing in that ministry, saints become like Christ. And, we, and, and the Lord works through his body, that's the next blank there, his body to promote it's health for his glory. How many of you physically this morning are thankful for when you have good health? Don't take it for granted. All right? Don't take it for granted. Are you thankful when you can go and meet with an assembly of believers and you know there is good health? Health. Are you thankful for that? Lots of folks will meet, will meet today with an assembly of believers and they know things aren't healthy here. That's really hard. 
but it's cause and effect. A biblical philosophy of ministry where Christians understand the Holy Spirit in me wants to lead me to his truth and then use me to lead others to his truth so that people can be built up and encouraged. When they're down, they can be strengthened. That's where the health of the body comes from. So when's the last time you went to somebody and or you interacted with somebody and the result was God used you to bring spiritual strength and help? Now there are parts of the body that are always drawing down on the body. You might know somebody like that. I'm really afraid to ask them how they're doing today. They might tell me again. And they're never encouraged in the Lord. It's always bad, bad, bad. God's called us to peace, not to that. And so ask God to use you to help encourage others. Promote health as God works through you for his glory. Let's conclude. To call yourself a Christian, while at the same time downplaying the church's importance in your development, reveals not simply a misunderstanding of the church, but a misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian. I opened with that this morning in my comments. Some Christians have deceived themselves into thinking, I don't involve myself with the body of Christ because I'm so mature I don't need it. Let me give you a southern Greek term, baloney. <laughs> That's nonsense. Now, you don't understand what it means to be a Christian unless assembling with the body is what you do because you understand what the Lord has said and how important it is to you. So, Christian, the church and your identity. The church... And your maturity are, here's an important word, they're inseparable. They're inseparable. Let me close with this illustration. This week I got an email from a pastor friend in Pakistan. Now this is an example of how the internet can help you, can help me, Find preachers that are proclaiming the word of God. For years I interacted with this pastor in Pakistan and I thought he was a student in a Bible college over in that region where I've taught a few times. In fact, I was the, uh, the commencement speaker in this college on two different occasions. I thought I had met him there. And so one day I just got the nerve to ask him. I said, how did we meet? And I mentioned this Bible college. He said, I've, I've never been to that college. He said, I found you on sermon audio and I started to listen to your messages and God just knit my heart with, with what you were teaching, your philosophy of ministry. That's how we know each other. So he got on the internet found our church, our website, and he started to interact with me that way. I'm like, wow. This church, on a couple different occasions now, has sent this pastor funds, and we verified that he's the real thing. 
I can't go to him. I couldn't take a mission trip and go where he is at. Let me tell you, this week he sent me photos, and I'm glad I was sitting down. They are burning churches and the homes of Christians where he lives. One of the things I said back to him, are you safe? Are you okay? These pictures, and, and they're, they're throwing the, the, the furniture and things that are in these places out into the street, and while they're, while they're burning the building, they're burning the things, the possessions of the church and, and the Christians. Wow, wow. By the way, I heard from another pastor at the Bible college that I was at, southern India, where they're sending graduates into regions where they're burning churches in India too. I heard a guy on the radio this week, and I about drove off the road. He said, I have Hindu friends, and I've never heard that they're violent. Buddy, you've never been to India. But here's what struck me as I thought about these pictures and what I, as I interacted with this pastor. Will these Christians make it? Will they be able to make it? The answer is they don't need a church building to be a church. Who do they need? They need the Lord. They need a faithful pastor and they have one. And they need each other. We're the church. And if we're persecuted, we will just communicate where we're going to continue to meet as the church. Where we can continue a biblical philosophy of ministry. Where we can disciple, encourage, even support with everyday needs, support each other. Can I share a pet peeve? And I'm not in the flesh when I share this. It grieves my soul when Christians, the only time you hear from the Christian or see them is if they have a physical need, but they're not involved with the assembly of believers. We don't go to the church for bailouts. We go to the church for the Bible. You need the body of Christ and he's placed you there because as a Christian we're essential to each other. So that's a biblical philosophy of ministry and this concludes our team meeting this morning. Huddle's done. Now let's go serve the Lord. And let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this local assembly. God, thank you for the privilege I have of being the pastor here. This local body has been such a blessing to Renee and I and our family. And it continues to minister to the spiritual needs of each other. But Lord, it can only happen as we're yielded to the Spirit of God and we follow your word. So help us to commit ourselves to you 
and to each other as the body of Christ. Lord, help us to submit to the proclamation of your word as I'm privileged and other pastoral staff, other pastors, evangelists proclaim your word from this pulpit. Lord, grow us into the image of you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.